Just like that, one hour in the books as Sportsnet Day con- uh, continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I am Peter Klein. Thank you all very much for making us a part of your Friday afternoon. Still some more Flames talk to come. I think one team is doing the Calgary Stampeders dirty. We're going to talk about that in the final segment uh, of the show, along with more of your texts on the Calgary Flames at 960-960. Talk a bit about Dustin Wolf in the last segment. Um, Jay from Scenic Acres taking in. R.E. Wolf, he would have had to play shutout hockey in the preseason appearances in order to make the team. Going back to the Wranglers tells him he has more work to do to get to the NHL level. Uh, tough to disagree with that. Yeah, he he didn't come in, light the world on fire, and steal that job. He wasn't undeniable, which is fine, again, from a, a young goalie. Just a bit different than the progression we thought. But from a flame standpoint, going into the last game of the preseason, what are we looking for? Basically just more of the same. See how that top line can gel together. Do we continue to see progression from the, the fourth lines and uh, or sorry, from the, the third and fourth lines and is just everything gelling the way it's supposed to as we have one final audition before the main show starts coming up next week. Week, But who have been the highlights of training camp so far? Send those in on the text line at 960-960. Highlights and lowlights. We will get to those to close out the uh, program today on Sportsnet Today. Heading into Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and Eric Francis as we get ready for the Flames and the Canucks. We will be joined shortly by Bick Nazar to get a view from the Canucks side of things. Uh, He'll be joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as we are in the DL Basement Systems downtown studio for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Getting ready for this um, and getting ready to, to chat with Bick, I was you know, as one does, doing prep, looking at at things. Okay, Canucks offseason. And it kind of dawned on me, this has to have been, and this is an offseason where they announced a captain. This has to have, be, have to have been one of the most quiet Canucks offseasons we've had in a very long time, right? Like they didn't make an absolutely mind-numbing signing. They didn't trade a bunch of bad but expiring contracts for a bad and long-term contract. Um, that they didn't do anything that felt like it was robbing their stars of their prime or anything like that. They just kind of went out, made some smart moves and built their team that way. That This seems like a, a pretty calm offseason from a, a Canucks team that you're not hearing a ton about, which is weird because we normally hear a lot from this club. So interested to see what they look like when they take on the Calgary Flames uh, this evening. Again, pregame show starts at 7 uh, and it all gets going at 8 o'clock. Here to give us a bit of the rundown from the opposition tonight. He is a host of, uh, from what I gather, basically every show out in Vancouver. Uh, it is Bick Nazar. Bick, thank you for doing this today. How are you? Absolutely. Uh, I'll try not to be as silent as the uh, Canucks have been here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was saying, like, a lot of times that the Canucks, I don't know if it's always good noise, but the Canucks make some noise. This was a relatively, like, calm, quiet offseason, even with the, the announcement of a, a captain. It, it kind of feels like just a normal offseason from Vancouver. That, that's my view of it anyway. Well, what has this offseason been like out there on the West Coast? Let me just put it this way. I was able to take two weeks off and not worry that something was going to happen <laughs> and just news was going to drop. And, you know, like, even just going back five, six years, like a president has left the club during the summer. They've signed a player that was controversial, and it was uh, a big thing last year with JT Miller. And something has always happened that you just never felt settled. And finally, 
it had an off season where it was settled, and it was probably a welcome sight for a lot of Canucks fans. Oh, absolutely, and probably in that room as well, as there has been a lot of turmoil. The, the captain gets sent out in the middle of last season, um, but like you said, th- things have kind of settled. So from a training camp perspective, how have things kind of gone for the Canucks so far? Uh, they, uh, I think internally they're happy with um, a, a full Rick Tockett camp and what it might lead to, but you know, for a lot of fans, there's some hope that some players would take a step this year, especially young players like a Vasily Pekolzin, and an Nils Hoaglander, and that hasn't really happened at all. And there's some guys that are going to, you know, get jobs and win races, but I would liken it to, you know, the old phrase of, you don't have to outrun the bear, you just outrun your friend. Um, I think there's some players that are going to get jobs, but they haven't exactly beaten players in it. Um, it it's been a kind of an underwhelming camp from some of the depth guys, like a Dakota Joshua or a Nils Hoaglander, they're just in a spot where, like, yeah, someone's going to play in the starting lineup, but I'm not convinced a lot of these guys won the job and impressed throughout the course of preseason. Niels Hoaglander always fascinates me. Just we've been seeing clips of this kid on YouTube for forever. It feels like he's been a prospect since like 2002. Um, and, and it just, it feels like we keep waiting for a breakout and it, it feels like close in the knot and then close in the knot. So it, it's kind of disappointing again from uh, uh, a province away. It's a little disappointing that it, it feels like he hasn't really taken that step that it feels like some of the high end skill would let him to, to do. Yeah. You know, in, in year one, I, I was, uh, you know, fell into the trap of like, Oh, a young player that looks flashy and works hard. He's obviously going to have this linear growth and it's always going to be successful. And, you know, he put up 27 points in his, uh, rookie year. It was also in the North Division year, right? And we kind of know how weird that season was. Not even just sure what happened in Vancouver, but you just look around across the league, like some stats were a bit inflated and it was just a bit odd year. And it was hard to kind of take away like what's real. There's, there's not as much travel and what impact does that have? And, and he's like, he's put up 27 points in two seasons since then uh, last year, just featuring in 25 games. You know, and to be honest, the thing that I've noticed here these last two years is there's an obvious on the puck skill that Nils Hoglander has, and, and he is very active and uh, shifty in the corners, and, and he does come up with loose pucks, but the one thing I always look at is he doesn't really have a separating trait. There's not an elite shot there by any means, uh, and quite frankly, there's not even an average shot there. He's an okay playmaker, but he's, you know, he handles the puck really well. He can get around a person, but he's not like breakaway speed to get past people and get away from people, so the, the, the worry I, just, I keep coming back to is like, what's the attribute or the trait that he gets to rely on that's, that's going to give him a, a career and, and make him kind of worth that uh, second-round pick, the high second-round pick in 2019? And right now, like, there, there's still defensive issues as well, like how he reads in the defensive zone. And right now, for a new coach that's trying to uh, instill structure and, and attitude and accountability and, and certainly reliability in the defensive zone, I, I can see why, you know, he started camp up on the top line with, uh, Elias Pedersen and Andre Kuzmenko. Now, part of that is because Ilya Mikheyev is still working his way back from injury, but he slowly slid down to a point that we thought, you know, he's in a battle with Dakota Joshua, and, and maybe he's ahead of him, but tonight it looks like he's going to be out of the lineup with Joshua in. Maybe that's an audition one more time for Joshua, but it hasn't been an encouraging uh, turn here for uh, Nils Hoaglander. Well, and the rest of the, the lineup kind of looks like what we'd assume an opening day lineup is. So, I mean, uh, guessing along with the, these things is uh, can sometimes, at least from our perspective, be a, a bit of a, a fool's business. But looking at, at this Canucks team that we're going to be seeing tonight, um, like you said, Joshua, maybe another audition. Are there still some main roster spots up for grabs in, in this contest this evening? 
Yeah, the blue line is is quite the focus here in Vancouver. Um, more so who's going to be playing with who rather than who makes the roster uh, tonight. Uh, looks like you'll see Hughes and Aronic play, which has not been experimented with. There was a brief cameo in Hironic's four games last year, but he was you know, still dealing with his shoulder issue from last season that, that predated his acquisition uh, in Vancouver. So you, you'll see that tonight. And he, you know, Quinn Hughes has been skating with uh, numerous guys. Cole McWard has gotten the audition the last couple of games, uh, an undrafted free agent that they brought in last year. And this, to me, the Hughes-Rona pairing, to me, was always the break glass in case of emergency situation if they wanted to test this out at some point. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see it. For me, when, when he was first acquired, in my head, I was just kind of picturing, you know, you kind of look for comps across the league. And Hughes always reminds me of like a Roman Yossi. And to be honest, Philip Rona kind of reminds me of Ryan Ellis. And those two played together very well in Nashville. And I've always wanted to see these two uh, get paired together. I'm curious if this is just a, hey, let's experiment with this. Rick Tockett has been talking a lot about kind of doing a defense by committee and they'll structure the minutes how they see fit and make changes through the course of the game. So maybe this is something that's just a, we'll start like this, but we'll roll it out and guys will get their minutes. But uh, I'm excited certainly to see a huge Ronick pairing because it could be one that absolutely tilts the ice in the favor whenever they get to use it. Obviously, the, the coaching change last year got a lot of discussion for how the, the Boudreaux uh, situation was handled. Rick Tockett comes in. Um, so having a, a full training camp to, to kind of get under him is probably good for Tockett. For the players, uh, are there a few players on the Canucks who might be more Rick Tockett style of guy than Bruce Boudreaux? Like, who, who can benefit from this coaching change out in Vancouver? If there's uh, Flames fans watching tonight and they're thinking, okay, there's JT Miller, there's Brock Besser on the second line. Who, who's this third guy, Phil DiGiuseppe? I, I, I've, not, I've not heard of him very often. That's the guy you look at. And if you just spend some time watching him and you think, okay, well, what are the things that Rick Tockett preaches and why is this guy playing top six minutes and, and regular minutes and, and trusted in, in a PK role at times, a depth PK role, this is the guy to keep an eye on. Now, it's not, it's not even like he's some 22-year-old, you know, mid-round pick that they, they've invested time in. Like, he, he's been here uh, a couple of years. He predates the Rutherford uh, era, but Jim Rutherford drafted him in 2012 in the second round. And so the fact that he's still here, every, every time he steps on the ice, he just does, like, he wins a board battle. He retains the puck in the offensive zone. He makes a simple pass to J.T. Miller and then gets straight to the net it's all those little things that we always talk about and here's someone that's actually doing it and getting rewarded for it. This is not just a, let's throw him on the fourth line. He gets a couple of minutes. This guy plays a prominent role for the Vancouver Canucks. And if people are watching tonight and saying, how is this going to look? Is there a person that embodies all the things that Rick Tockett wants? It's Phil DiGiuseppe. I am so happy you said that because uh bachelor tweeting out the lines and I saw on the second line PDG. I was like, well, I certainly don't know who that is. Uh, exactly. So had to had to run to the cap friendly and say, "Oh, okay, that's not where I would assume that." But it, it sounds like that this is a a good fit for him and a, a good fit for the Canucks. Him playing on that that second line. And I'll say, like, it was twelve points in thirty games last year, and I, I know that doesn't sound remarkable, uh, and, and it's not, but it it just works, right? Like right. He, he JT Miller gets the puck more in the offensive zone when Phil Giuseppe is with his. Uh, is, is, is on his left wing. I, it, it, it's, it, it confounds all of us. And, and the talk coming into camp was like, put Colson or Hoaglander has to win this job, even with Bovillier on the roster, even with a Garland on the roster. McKay is going to come back at some point. But they wanted one of the young kids to try to win this job. And 
versatility just if he just beat him like as simple as that he's he's produced in the preseason as well he had a great game uh, on home ice against the uh, Oilers uh, last uh, Saturday and he, like he put up three points in a preseason game and so suddenly if, if the question of can you produce on that line goes away uh, it, it's going to be hard for a lot of players to say hey, I, I have better talent and I deserve to be there when he can say well this guy's producing and he does all the things I want that's the standard you have to try to follow on this team. Uh, what about Anthony Bavillier? He was kind of the the name that everyone knew coming back in the the, the Horvat mm-hmm. deal. Um, obviously, there, there are a couple of, of future things in there as well. But Bavillier was the the ready to go NHLer. Um, he, he's a player who I, I've liked a fair amount in uh, with, with the Islanders, free agent at the end of the season. What has what have you made of him so far as a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah, I've I really enjoyed him. Uh, now he scored at his his best uh, rate in his 33 game sample. Obviously, it's very small. Um, but he played with Elias Pettersson and played with Andre Kuzmenko. And it was in lieu of Ilya Mikheyev being out. But I, I think there's a safety net element that if Mikheyev is out longer than they think at the start of the season, or if they just need to shake things up at any point during the season, then you can put Beauvillier with Pettersson and Kuzmenko again, and you'll get a certain level of production. I, I think they wanted this defensive element with Mikheyev there. On that line, and, and to be honest, McCabe and Pedersen work really well together. Like like the defensive uh, harassing that they do all throughout the ice just pairs well. So it, it'd be hard for Bovillier to unseat McCabe, but like he he produced when when he played there. So uh, I'm excited at some point if he gets another cameo uh, to play along there. I, I don't know if he and Miller is good as fit, but they do want to spread the scoring out as much as they can. And Rick Talk is very much looking at it in pairs. And so, you know, Pedersen and Kuzmenko could go together. Miller and Besser are going together. And it looks like Pugh Suter and Anthony Bovillier are viewed as a pair together. And between them, you can probably say, hey, we're looking at, you know, 30 to 35 goals maybe on a good season uh, because Suter's probably good for 14-15 and certainly Bovillier uh, can be good for 15-18 to 18 as well. One of the, the biggest news items from the Canucks this offseason was uh, Quinn Hughes getting the, the C on his chest as the, the latest captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I, I don't want to, like, how, how is he captaining? Because uh, we, we, we don't really know. But what was that a move that was uh, kind of agreed upon with the, the fan base in Vancouver? And how do you think he fits into that role with the Canucks? Yeah, I think it was kind of expected from, from certainly the end of last season, from April onwards. Um, you know, we, we saw him take a bit of a leadership role. Um, and even at the end of season, he, like, he was the one that jumped onto the microphone to address the crowd on the last home game. And the thing is, to just here in a very small couple of weeks here since the announcement was made, I, I've seen like a burgeoning confidence from Quinn Hughes. Not like a, a, a cockiness, but like there's a, a, someone who's very accomplished, putting up amazing historic numbers as D-man, and now is prepared to take it to the next level. And I think there's, I, I think there's going to be a new attitude from this team and it's going to come from uh, what Quinn Hughes brings and, and stems from. And the thing is I've, I've been wanting to see this for a couple of years and it was tough to make a decision like, Hey, let Chris Tanev walk or let a Jacob Markstrom walk or a Troy Stetcher walk. Cause they were important figures in the locker room, but you needed to create the space for Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to grow. And it probably took a bit longer than anyone uh, anyone wanted to see but you're at that time now and this is Quinn Hughes's locker room this is Elias Pettersson's team they are the overwhelming figures of how they go this team goes and they look like they're prepared for the moment and now to back end it with hey we're going to physically represent with a C on your chest 
this is what I've been waiting for, and I'm excited to see what happens moving forward because uh, it feels like everyone's kind of in lockstep with Quinn Hughes to be the guy. This might be a blasphemy to say in this market, but looking at the, the roster and getting ready for tonight, I kind of like this group. Uh, what, what, what are the expectations in the market for the Vancouver Canucks this season? You can pull uh, 50 different Canucks fans and you might get 50 different answers, to be honest. <laughs> like, like, there's a lot of people that have, you know, you, you, you'll get your blind faith that says like, hey, I can make the playoffs or, or this team can make the playoffs. And then there's going to be the, the skeptics that say, hey, we should have rebuilt in 2015. And they're right. But there's still people that look at this and say, I don't know if there's a cup winning team, just rebuild. And right now, like me personally, I think it's going to be a fun 82-game battle between Vancouver, Calgary, Seattle, and, and maybe one of those three Pacific teams starts to slide back. I, I think they're so even, and the bounces are just going to go someone's way, and we're going to make all these takes that, like, I told you this was a 97-point team, and that team was an 87-point team. It's just going to be odd. It, but I think, like, all three teams have their flaws. All three teams have their strengths, and they're going to end up in the same spot. But I, I, I honestly... I, all three teams look so so similar, and I, I think all three could go to the playoffs. But I, I'm hard pressed to say which one. I'll, I'll say Vancouver just because I'm in this market. But it, it could go really easily for me personally, though. Like if, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a big fail. Like you can't trade a first round pick for Philip Ronick. You can't put it all on the line and say like Elias Pettersson, your, your star player, is kind of hedging this season. That like oh, yeah, I'll sign a contract if we if we make some progress here. If it looks like some wins are coming here because I'm not convinced there's an ever a true offer of like 80, 90 million dollars put in front of Elias Pettersson. And so if, if that's not the case and we're just waiting to see what sort of team success you have, you have to make the playoffs. You have to convince this guy that this is the place to be. And so far, I think there's elements that Elias Pettersson is enjoying the, the, the different standards of the team, but make no mistake about it. Like you better have, you, you better start winning. It kind of reminds me where both teams are at of the, the last time these two teams met in the playoffs. I think it was Horvat's rookie season. And we got through each team, I think, got to 100 points through 82 games. And we got through one full postseason round. I was like, I still don't know if either of those teams were good. Like, it, it just it feels like all season long we're going to be like, well, they're winning. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's rolling. Like, it's going to be tough to put your finger on what either of these teams are all season long. I, I generally like, I. I... I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I've sat here and I was like, I, I kind of like, I kind of like the Flames roster to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I think like the new vibes will kind of be a breath of fresh air. And it's, it's not as if there isn't talent there. It's not as if Jonathan Huberto is a fifty-point player. He'll have a comeback, and, and Nazem Kadri is a good player. Backlund's a good player, and like you, you can see the height, and you can probably see what the valleys look like in Seattle. Like, I think a lot of people would say, like, okay, they're they're a good team. They play well together, but where's the high-end talent in Vancouver? I, you know, they, they've, they've made some steps, but a lot of people just point to it's Patterson, it's Miller, it's Hughes, it's Demko. That's a team that should be going to the playoffs, but we've seen it can just be chaotic here. And so all three teams have their, their, their benefits and their flaws. So I, I just, I, I honestly, like every day I look at this, and I was like, I don't know if I can definit- proudly and definitively say, I think this team is going to the, uh, the playoffs or not. You kind of answered my, my last question for you, but um, I, I do always like to, to get this from the, the opposition side. What, what do you make of the, the Flames coming into the season? Like you said, you can see that there could be the, the highest of highs or lowest of lows. Well, what do you make uh, of Calgary as we head into this regular season? Just from afar, uh, just, just like how you were saying uh, about Vancouver, like it, it was always puzzling to me how uh, odd it was, uh, how, how the season was going, because we know how the previous season went, and 
you just look at the players and you just kind of think like they should be doing better. It should fit a lot easier. Like this is a team that put up 111 points. Why are they trending for, what was it? 93, 95 last year. Um, so I like part of me thinks that at baseline, they should be 95 points. Like if things go wrong again, it should be 95 points. And a lot of things felt like they were going wrong from afar. So if they just recorrect and recalibrate a little bit, you kind of feel like it should be a hundred point team. Yeah. It does kind of feel like for a lot of people, the, the mantra coming into the season is, well, it's not going to be last year. So here we go. Uh, that, that seems yeah. to be what a lot of people are hanging their hat on. Uh, Bic, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for doing this and uh, yeah, enjoy the season and we'll chat again soon. Anytime. All right, there is Bick Nazar joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as we get ready for the Canucks and the Flames tonight. It is a 7 o'clock Flames Talk pregame show. 8 o'clock, it is the Flames and the Canucks one final time in the preseason. We have a bit to get to before the show wraps up. Um, I, I have one quick rant to do with our producer, Cam. We will get to that on the other side. I think one team is doing the Calgary Stampeders very dirty this weekend. We'll discuss that, and we'll talk about Flames highlights and lowlights of training camp as we get ready for the regular season next week. All of that still to come here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Putting a bow on a Friday edition of Sportsnet Today. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much for uh, tuning in today on this Calgary Flames game day. It's the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks one more time in the preseason before we get to it for real next week. Uh, Flames Talk pregame show with Steinberg and Vickers is at 7. Flames and the Canucks is at 8. And then once that's done, it is Flames Talk postgame. All of it here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, I'm Peter Klein. Our producers today, Taylor Dingman and Cameron Hughes. Um, Cam, you are an F1 person. And I pro- for, for those of you who roll your eyes at like basically anything non-Flames, I promise this will only take a minute. But um, <laughs> Cam, you're an F1 fan, yes? This is true. All right. I'm, I was assuming by the Mercedes hat coming in that you'd... Mercedes hat, the Lando Norris intro for yeah. the Friday. Yeah, we're... Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're in. So I f- like... I, I get like auto sports and it was even when I said we were going to talk about this Taylor um, during the break. Oh, they drive really fast and they turn corners. Um, people like talking about auto sports kind of gets people rubbed a certain way because it's a car doing a lot of the stuff. Although the drivers are remarkable athletes in what they do, but right. not here to justify the existence of formula one. However, I feel like it's not being talked about enough that, Max Verstappen is having like the most dominant season anyone has had in a mainstream sport since like Tiger Woods was kicking the crap out of dudes with dad bods like 30 years ago. Um, yeah. 25 <laughs> years ago, I guess. Like th- this is absolute domination. Like we have not seen in literally any other sport in 20 to 30 years. Record. Yeah. Record breaking. 2021. Right. You know, he sets 18 podium finishes wins 10 and then this year it's just it's completely out of the water i mean how do you the yeah it's it's just dominance it is and there's no other way to put it because you have sergio Perez who's in the same car yeah and is doing just minor league numbers compared to what max is putting up i'm happy you said that because i saw a tweet and i promise this all loops together And, and then we'll get to other stuff people who don't like this um but uh, apparently in the new David Beckham documentary, at some point, Posh Spice in there says she grew up in a middle-class household, which is remarkably incorrect. Um, and Beckham kind of put her on blast. He was like, yeah, what kind of car did your driver drive you to school in? And she was <laughs> like, well, it was an Audi, but 
we had a tough time paying for the maid and the driver and the cook sometimes. So oh. don't don't just think because someone's getting driven around that you know what they're going through. <laughs> they Which might is, be being driven around in an Audi for all you know. Right, exactly. Which is <laughs> I the most it was a the, Porsche. The the least self-aware thing anyone's ever said in a very long time. <laughs> And I feel like that sort of like, well, yes, but we could barely afford a second nanny is kind of what Red Bull fans are doing with Checo, who has been fine. Red Bull is leading the constructors by about 320 points. Yeah, they've already like, won it. Yeah, they, they, they've already won it. Um, Verstappen's going to win the, the actual championship unless he drives so fast that his car defies gravity and just spins off the planet. Um, and they're still complaining about, well, yeah, Checo's having a pretty bad year, though. They may have to replace him. What? Yeah. <laughs> you have 623 points in the constructors. Mercedes is 305. And you're thinking of making a change? Th that is the most like, oh, well, we Man. only had one nanny growing up that I can remember in sports. If that doesn't tell you the attitude that Red Bull has with their team yeah. for the past 10 years, then I don't know what else to tell you. Right. You have this guy who, I mean, uh, given last year, he was very consistent. He was almost keeping up with Max. This year, he has fallen off a bit. We don't really know why. Uh, but if yeah, that's the mindset that Red Bull has. If you're not, you can't be next for Stappen. No, you can't be as good <laughs> as him. But if you're just behind him, yeah. that's all they want. And if you're not, you're getting you're getting shipped out. Yeah, and so that's if, what's going to happen. If to you can't keep pace with the most dominant season we've seen in a sport in 25 years, then get out of here. If like, you can't keep up with this guy. You're out of here. Japanese Grand Prix. They had a great car. He got crashed into not his fault a couple of times and he was done it's like that that japanese grand prix was the weirdest race i've ever seen it was so man at, <laughs> right off the start i was like this thing's gonna be six hours yeah. and there's gonna be two drivers left and then it ended up being fine but anyway i just thought not enough is being talked about this incredible dominance that we are seeing from max verstappen um i just feel like it needs to be brought up a little bit more so i'm doing that just before the afternoon drive on a Friday. Um, also, before we get into Flames highs and lows from training camp, I do also want to say, I think that this weekend, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are doing the Calgary Stampeders dirty. The Stampeders are four points out of a playoff spot. There are three games left. Uh, you do the math on that. It's not great. And emotions are going to be high in Saskatchewan this weekend. Anyway, the passing of a legend, George Reed, there's going to be many, many tributes to, to him. They're also honoring the 2013 Grey Cup team. Saskatchewan tends to do those things right. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of emotions going on there. So it would seem that Saskatchewan may have the upper hand anyway. But in a game that the Stamps desperately need Saskatchewan to win, Hamilton, with all due respect, is throwing Bo Levi Mitchell back out there, who has shown for, I think, exactly zero seconds this season that he is the guy who he used to be and should be starting. Uh, I get like Hamilton has uh, a playoff spot wrapped up. They want to see a different thing, blah, 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 blah. Things have finally started to work a little bit in Hamilton. And now they're going away from what has kind of been working to something that has, to this point, not worked at all. Now they haven't had a whole lot of time with it because he has been banged up, but maybe read something into that. I just feel like when I saw that today, as someone who admittedly is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, when I saw the, the tweet come across, Hamilton Tiger Cats of Bo Levi Mitchell listed as the starting quarterback, my first response was not to shake in my boots. It was, oh, okay, that's, that works for me. And so while I think the Stampeders playoff chances are uh, slim to none, and the, the slim is kind of leaving very quickly. I still think Hamilton is not doing Saskatchewan any favor, or doing Calgary, sorry, any favors by putting Bo Levi Mitchell in as the starting quarterback. 
this weekend. So I just feel like they're doing them dirty a little bit. We got about 20 minutes left in this fine program. Send me your texts as to the highs and lows of training camp so far. I think, and this may be, um, this may get me accused of homerism. I think overall, there is a lot to be positive about from this Flames training camp as we go into the final preseason game for Calgary. I think that you can take a lot of really good things away from this. And I feel like the negatives are kind of obvious. Um, one, obviously, you were hoping that Oliver Shillington would be around. This isn't a hockey one. This is just like a real life. You just hope everything is okay. You were hoping that last year would have helped. Um, and I, I don't, we don't know exactly what's going on, so don't want to speak to it. But it's just, it it really does suck for the human being that, that he's still going through some stuff. So hopefully that gets figured out. But that was a, a real bummer that you just... It kind of seemed like things might be getting back on track and that, that they weren't is a, a real downer. And so that was obviously not the, the way to start it. And then the other one was injury related uh, with Jacob Pelche going down because he was someone who I was so excited to see what he could do out of the shadow of everything that was happening last year to, to see what he can do with some new life um, breathed into his career. I... Uh, not that he's like spiraling or anything, but I was really excited to see what, what could happen with a, a full season for him. So to, to have that injury was a, a real downer. But aside from the, the on ice play, there hasn't been a lot that has struck me as, oh, man, this is this is a problem. Like, I, I feel like some of the people who have come in and battled for uh, training camp spots and, and regular season jobs. I've kind of liked, like, I think Walker Dewar is having a very good preseason, and he is someone who um, obviously captured a lot of hearts and minds last season and is someone who I think this year, he by the end of this season, he is going to be, like, an absolute fan favorite. There will be uh, people, well, why don't you put him on the first line? Maybe they'll put him on the first line. Um, like, he, he is going to be that type of, like, grit and grind role player that a fan base, specifically a Calgary fan base, falls in love with. And he has been everything you would want so far. If you're looking at training camp highlights, that would absolutely be the, one of the ones for me. But I think the main one, and the fact that I have gone even one training camp highlight without talking about Matt Coronado, uh, it, it seems unfair. He has been such a standout so far. And offensively, he has done everything you would want him to. Again, it's preseason. And the caveat on all of these is yes, I know it's preseason. Yes, I know the games don't count. Yes, I know that he's playing against some players who have as much NHL experience as I do. With that fully understanded and then moved on, what we have seen from Matt Coronado so far is everything you would want. And I was a little surprised when you start to see some of the lines be put together and you break up uh, Backlund and Coleman, which uh, someone gets to on the text line. We'll get to it in a second. Um, I kind of thought, okay, it'll be Backlund, Coleman, and young player X on that side. Um, but now you have two younger players on there. Now, Sharon Govich, much more established in the National Hockey League than, than Coronado with his one. Um, Sharon Govich has scored 20-plus goals in the NHL before and certainly has that potential to do again. But I, I kind of thought it would just be kind of one. But you, you see them all together, and it, it does really feel like it works. And Coronado... The the poise that he has shown, the upside that he has shown, and it's just some of those, those little things that he does in the offensive zone to create a bit more space, to get a better angle. Uh, the, the shot is obviously wicked. I just can't say enough good things about him. So if you're looking at training camp highlights for the Flames and reason for optimism coming out of this season, 
I don't know how you don't talk about Matt Coronado in just the most gushing of terms with how he has played. And, and like I said, like a lot of the players, I don't have many, if any, on the, the Flames lineup right now where it's like, oh man, tough training camp for this guy. I really wish that he would have shown X, Y, or Z. I, I like how Dylan Dubé kind of showed up in roles where he was kind of the best NHLer that they sent to a, a certain preseason location or one of the best. Um, that, that feels like one that I, I like how he kind of embraced that role. Um, Huberto and Lindholm, I, I thought, like I said, power play wise, they were great. Again, not facing the most resistance, but they they are so key to the season. And so that both of them seem to be playing with a bit of confidence going into this. And I like the the grouping with Manjapani. It, it just, again, it feels homerish to say because uh, on the home for the Calgary Flames and all of that, but just from afar, it has really felt like a positive training camp and a positive preseason for the Flames with a couple of obvious exceptions. Let's get, uh, let's get to your texts here at 960-960. Who is talking on 960 right now? Well, my name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in. I was bad at this when I actually worked here, um, introducing myself, letting people know who's talking, and just not assuming that everyone got into their car and turned their radio on at the exact time the segment started. And now, especially that I, I've been gone and I just kind of pop in like once or twice a month, um, I definitely need to do a better job of that. So thank you, Texter, for uh, reminding me that I need to tell you all that uh, my name is Peter Klein and I am uh, with you here until four o'clock. There was one text here that I, I wanted to, to disagree with. How is another $5 million fourth line player Coleman um, taking being put on the fourth line? I, um, A, don't know. B, this one, th this is going to feel like I'm trolling and it's going to feel like I'm doing like so much water carrying or whatever. I promise I'm not. Um, I don't think Blake Coleman is so much a fourth line player as he is a player playing on the fourth line. And uh, like, there is a difference between the two. It's like, well, Jonathan Chichu, is he a 50 goal scorer or is he a guy who scored 50 goals? I, that was a really dated reference. Probably could have come up with a better one. But for, for Coleman, he is someone of a caliber who can certainly play in the top nine on your team. But like we said in the, um, in the two o'clock hour, because of how the flames can kind of spread things out a little bit and the faith that you put in Backlund, the maturity that you are hoping can continue from a Sharon Govich and from a... Uh, Coronado, you are hoping that now, okay, those guys can handle it on their own. We can move Coleman down to the fourth line. He can be an extremely high-level fourth-line player, and he's someone who can help out a a Schwint or a Hunt or a Walker Dewar or whoever may end up being on that line. He can kind of be the, for lack of a better term, adult in the room and and help those guys out on the ice. So you don't just have three lines with, with uh, a couple of the kids, but more veterans, and then a kid's line on your fourth line, and you're just kind of like, all right, go. I, I like that they are able to do that. So yes, Colvin is on the fourth line, but I don't think, like, if anyone gets hurt, you can put them up on the first, second, or third line and feel relatively comfortable with it. It's just how the Flames are looking to, to spread things out this season. And like I said, it was really difficult for Calgary to get multiple lines going at the same time last season. There were times where the fourth line was the best line for the Flames, and that was a major problem. Um, and there were also times where the fourth line was basically unplayable for the Flames, which also wasn't an asset. So this year, the fact that the Flames can spread things out a little bit, it, it just makes you feel a little bit better about how this team can move into the regular 
season. Uh, now we have a Jonathan Chichu discussion on the, the text line. Yes, half of those 50 that Chichu scored are directly because of Jumbo Joe being an elite passer. I would say about 50 of those 50 is because of Joe Thornton. Um, I, yeah, like that. that's one of those, like, yes, Ensign Carter. Uh, that was maybe a bit more Sedin's than Ensign Carter. Uh, yes, uh, Jonathan Chichu's success was thanks in large part to Jumbo Joe. And I, I think uh, him being in Russia like two years later would serve as great evidence. Uh, someone else texting in saying that um, Dewar is going to be a, a player that Flames fans can get behind this season. I just like, I love the energy that he brings and what, what he's able to do, like keeping pucks alive offensively. It looks like he has a, a bit of finish to his game as well. That There's just been, it feels like every time he's playing this year with the Flames or this preseason with the Flames, I guess. It feels like when something is going well, you look at who was that? Oh, it was Dewar once again. Uh, oh, who went in there and, and kept that play alive? Oh, it was Walker Dewar. Like he just does. It, it sounds so cliche, but he does a lot of those little things that coaches love that uh, affect winning in in multiple ways. So he is someone who I think you can really get behind. Uh, another play, <laughs> Anson Carter disagrees. Yeah, probably. Um the best story coming out of that is Anson Carter leaving the Canucks after having that great season with uh, Daniel and Henrik because the, the Canucks wanted to take care of the Sedin twins first. Like, hey, I was the one scoring all the goals. How come you weren't taking care of me first? And history would probably give you the lesson on that one. But a little bit more hockey history than I was hoping to, to get into on a Friday. But I'm enjoying the, the little trip down NHL 2004 memory lane that we are going on, although now... The, the ADHD has kicked in and I forget where I was going with everything, but um, th there's a, a lot to like about the, this Flames team. And ah, I remember where I was going now on the blue line. I, I again, like Nikita's uh, Nikita Zadorov, I've liked a lot of what he has done. There were a few times where he was hemmed in a lot against Edmonton, but that's going to happen against Connor McDavid. But he, it feels like he's even stepped up his game offensively a little bit more. Now, that could be the opposition, but th there seems to be even more confidence that he's playing with, and he didn't seem to be like a dude who was lacking confidence last year. So I, th there are always stretches with him where it, it could kind of fall off a little bit for a few games, but if he can find a little bit more consistency this year, what we saw from him high-end was a lot of fun. If he can elevate that, I, I think that's a real step for the flames. And I've liked Osterly a lot more than I was expecting so far that this preseason, I didn't know entirely what to expect from him um, or what his role was expected to be with this team, but he sees the ice really well. There've been a few times offensively. He has found some really good openings. And part of it is it's preseason. There's a lot of kids they're puck watching. So that weak side is left wide open, but he has taken full advantage um, of that and has created a lot of good offensive opportunities for the flames. And if you listened to me on any platform I was on last year and you took a drink, every time I said the defense needs to get more involved in the offensive side, there's a, a very good chance you're in, in some form of facility now, because I, I was banging that drum all year long and I think Osterley can help that just the, the way he sees some of the openings on the offensive side seems to skate. All right. He, he made a couple of plays defensively to just stop things when it seemed like they were going sideways. So I've liked a lot from him overall. Like I said, it seems Homerish, but I have been quite positive on a lot of aspects of what we've seen 
from the Calgary Flames this preseason going into the, this final game against the Canucks. Uh, again, it is a 7 o'clock Flames Talk pregame show. 8 o'clock, it's the Flames and the Canucks, and then you get into the postgame coming up at 11. Keep the text coming at 960-960. We had a lot of good talk about uh, Dustin Wolf, and I... I feel like a couple people on the text line maybe misconstrued what I was saying. I am not in any way saying that this was a failure of Dustin Wolf and uh, trade him for a sixth now or anything like that. Uh, it was just I had an expectation this season that he was going to be the number two, and that's not it. And it's the first time in a bit that he has faced any kind of resistance of forward momentum in his pro career. So I, I think he will absolutely handle that smashingly, but the goaltending spot is going to be very important. There have been a couple of goals this year in the preseason that Vladar has allowed that I haven't loved, but I, I think that probably gets cleaned up by the time that the regular season comes around. But we talked about it with Vic in the, the last segment there. This is going to be an extremely tight Pacific Division. Um, the, the Kings went out and made a, a win-now move, getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, despite what one texter says, I think are a good hockey team, and at the very least, a good regular season team, although I just think overall, yeah, they're pretty good. Um, Vegas, maybe there, there's a bit of a Stanley Cup hangover. If there isn't, I'd be surprised, given how hard they partied, but they are still an extremely talented team. Uh, so there's three. We haven't mentioned Seattle, who's probably going to be good again. Vancouver, who things, like we said in the last segment, have kind of calmed down a little bit. It's not as wild and crazy, although we're one headline away from everything spiraling out in Vancouver again. But for now, it, the it seems like things have calmed down, and you look at the roster, and it's all right. It's going to be a, a competitive team. Um, and waiting in the wings is an Arizona team that for a long time has been a laughingstock, and I think now has the pieces to take at least a bit of a step forward this year. So this is going to be an incredibly competitive, difficult decision uh, division to maneuver your way through this season. And so this is why, like last year, the oh God, remember last year they had the, the homestand that lasted the whole month. And there was the conversation, was this homestand too long? Which was the first time I've ever heard that in the history of sports, but we, we got into it and it just, it never seemed like they could fully get on track this year. I think a good start is going to be key. And so not that, well, they played well in the preseason. So that has to mean the regular season is going to go well. Cause we've fallen for that in every sport, every year, always see in the NFL that Kenny Pickett or even Sam Howell hasn't reached what he was in the preseason. So reading anything preseason like that is always dangerous, but it is, I think, extremely positive that it seems like things are kind of clicking heading into it. And so that's what you want to see from this game tonight against the, the Vancouver Canucks. It's basically going to be the opening night rosters for both clubs with a couple of obvious exceptions. Um, Hoaglander not playing for the, the Canucks this evening. Now, that might actually be a, a regular season thing, but it would surprise me a little bit if it was. And out here, Coleman isn't in the lineup tonight, or at least wasn't at the morning skate. It would surprise me if that's a, a regular season thing. So it's not exactly best on best, but this is going to be a pretty good final tune-up for these two teams as they get ready for the long grind of 82 that starts next week. But the main thing, as the preseason has just grinded away, the main thing, 
I'm just excited that we're getting to games that matter with how last season went. And um, it, it was a 93 point season where it, I was reminded, well, they lost 17 games in overtime last year, even though it, it was 93 points and they just barely missed out on the playoffs. And yes, they had more points in the regular season than the team that went to the Stanley cup final in the Eastern conference. It just kind of wasn't fun last year. And this year feels like, at least in the beginning, it's just going to be a whole lot more fun. And I am so excited to see where this season goes, not only for the Flames, but just uh, across the league. Everything feels very wide open right now. The team that was the juggernaut in the East last year lost two of their most important players and feel like they're digging their way out of a hole. A team that has constantly been at the top of the NHL is going to be without the best goalie in the world for the first two months of the season. The team that feels like they're primed to take over for them in the Atlantic is Toronto, who always screws it up. And you just go on down the line. There is so much that is wide open. And in this specific division, um, oh, I mentioned Arizona in the, the Pacific. I was more talking about wildcard things and teams jumping up there, but I didn't phrase that properly. Anyway, there is so much that is wide open. It feels like in the NHL this season, and I'm not saying the Flames can ride that to a Stanley Cup, but it just feels like they have a whole lot more going for them this year than they had a season ago. So the final preseason game goes tonight. It is Flames and Canucks. Flames talk pregame is at seven. Flames and the Canucks is at eight. This concludes Sportsnet Today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. My name is Peter Klein. Uh, you can find me on social media at Primetime Klein. I pop back in here every now and then, but I do a few other things as well. Uh, so follow me on there for all updates on Mawa. Uh, coming up next, it is Flames Talk. I know we just talked Flames, but now it's Flames Talk. Completely different. Um, the Flames Talk has things like journalism and professionalism where I just kind of ramble a little bit. So get geared up for the flames and the Canucks tonight with Steinberg, along with Wes, Eric Francis is going to be stopping by as well. And then Aaron Vickers hops on the pregame show at seven o'clock. As always, we got you covered for the flames right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.